Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Hey, this morning I I, uh, have a guest with us, not a guest, you know who he is. I got to go out of town for a few days of vacation, so uh, I asked Witt to come and share, preach the gospel this morning. I want you to know Witt is a blessing to me personally, and Witt is a blessing to our church. You know, when he and Linda started dating, I thought I was going to lose Linda, you know, but I wound up getting wet. And let me tell you, there was no greater wedding that I was happy to officiate than that wedding right there, okay? But I want you to make welcome Witt Sasser. We love him. Good to have you this morning. Isn't it good to be in God's house? Are you excited to be here today? Come on, are you excited? I, I don't know if... I don't have very many traits, but one of those traits I do have is enthusiasm. I love enthusiasm. Uh, when Linda and I got married, she was a little bit afraid that I'd have her hike in the Penhody Trail 103 miles in about five days, but, but I hadn't got her there yet, but, uh, but she has been exercising regular with me, and, and this morning, we even walked this morning, and when we woke up, she said, uh, you know, I really need to walk. I said, well, you don't want me to motivate you? She said, no, you're too loud. She doesn't like for me to be loud in the mornings, but I can't help it. Uh, when you raise three boys, you're going to get them up in the morning, you're going to be loud. And it used to irritate them so bad. I'd just go in their rooms and start singing until they'd get up. And uh, So that'll tell you about my singing. But, uh, but praise God, it is good to see you all this morning, or at least see half of you. <laughs> you know, I was, when Brad said that a while ago, it's great to see your faces. I thought, well, you can't see all of it, but... But it's great to see your eyes this morning. And, uh, you know, when you look in a person's eyes, it can really tell you a lot. It can tell you if that person's hurting. It can tell you if that person's excited. And, you know, we're living in a time now where a lot of people are hurting. People are hurting. They're hurting because they don't have a shelter. They don't have a shelter. And my message this morning, I really entitled it, Pastor Brian texted me like Tuesday and he said, you know, you've got to have all your notes in for your PowerPoint by Thursday. I texted him back. I said, what did we do in the 50s, 60s, and 70s? <laughs> he said, well, we had more time then. Well, that's because of all this technology stuff. And uh, so, you know, I've got a few things in here that, that are, I didn't get to them by Thursday because God spoke to me on Friday too. So I can't help it if God spoke to me Friday and He spoke to me on Saturday. Because I didn't get it in the notes by Thursday. So this first scripture that I want to read to you is not in the notes, but, but we've been all reading the Psalms, and the, the Psalms minister to us right now, especially. And uh, so I want to read to you Psalms 121, and I'm just going to start with this, because God is the help of those who seek Him. Come on, folk. God will help you if you seek Him. Scripture tells us that. Verse 1, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence my help comes. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Pastor Brian said this the other week, or maybe it was on a prayer night, but he said, you know, when you put your feet in the sand, you can look out over the expanse of the ocean and realize who made that. 
God created it all. When he said that, I thought about standing at 13,000 feet, a little above that, at the Continental Divide in Pagosa Springs, Colorado, and thinking, how can anybody believe God didn't create this? It didn't just happen. God created it. Man, it's a good thing y'all are 20 feet away from me because I see it coming out. (laughs) My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He's not asleep. He doesn't sleep. And a lot of people right now aren't sleeping because they don't have a shelter. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall never slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. Say keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. Say preserve. Come on, say I'm preserved. If you're a born again Christian, say I'm preserved. (laughs) He shall preserve your soul. Oh, your body may die, but He'll preserve your soul. Come on, as we get older, we realize things don't move as good as they used to. We just held our fifth annual cousin camp with all of our grandchildren. Pastor Brian said, come on to the pool, you can use it. So we took them all over to the pool. And I've got a 16-year-old grandson, a 15-year-old, and then they go down from there all the way down to the triplets. But they wanted to have a diving competition. And I knew Granddaddy couldn't keep up with them. So I watched Tony do all these flips, back flips, turn flips, do all these different things. And I said, well, y'all better get ready because Granddaddy's about to do the the booty bump flip. They thought, what is that? So I just went and stood out on the end of the dive board like this right here and then just lifted my feet up. Dropped, hit on that dive board, bounced, turned, went in the water. They thought that was the most incredible dive they'd ever seen. I texted a video to it to Pastor Brian. He texted me right back and said, if I'd have done that, I'd be in the chiropractor's office. I'm just glad it didn't break your diving board because we'd had to pay for it. He'll preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Say eternity. He'll preserve your soul for eternity. Folk, eternity is forever. Come on, how many of you love Jesus this morning? Come on, give Him praise. Come on, give Him praise. Hallelujah. He inhabits the praises of His people. You want His presence in your life? Just praise Him. Just praise Him. Who's your shelter? And I could have titled this really, What, Where, or Who's Your Shelter? You know, because some people put... They think their shelter is their job. They think it's other things in their life. When, when the pro sports went out, everybody, some people lost their shelter. I'm serious. They, they lost their shelter. Some people just shelter in front of that TV. Some people shelter in front of video games. There's grown adults that don't do nothing but play video games. Folk, I, I loved a uh, track Then it became cassette. I love cassette. Then they went to VHS, and I could never learn how to program a VH, VCR. Never learned that. And that didn't stay very long. That's how things have just progressed. Now I can't figure out the phone. <laughs> Our Connect group, and if you're watching this morning by, by live stream, I just want to say, great to have you this morning. 
because we've been Zooming all summer. Not because of me, but because my wife was able to do it. Praise God for a helpmate that can Zoom. I said, yeah, my wife, Zoom. <laughs> Praise God. Who's your shelter? The definition of shelter is something that covers or protects. Protection or a place affording protection as from the elements or, or things in nature. We think about protection. We think about a shelter as a storm shelter most of the time. The state of being covered or protected. Protection. It means refuge. And what does refuge mean? Refuge means shelter. It's a place where you can shelter in times of trouble. Can I tell you something? Jesus wants to be your shelter. God wants to be your shelter. During a storm, you will seek shelter. How many of you, and I know probably everybody in this room could come up on the stage this morning and share a time when a storm was coming and you sought shelter. Come on, raise your hand if you have. Some of you never been in a shelter. I mean, in a storm. <laughs> well, can I tell you, if you live long enough, it's coming. A few weeks ago, <laughs> Linda and I were, were sitting in our living room and Mike McCall was on the TV and there was a tornado, he said, on Ox Bottom Road. You remember that? We're sitting in our living room watching him on the TV. He said, there's a tornado right now on Ox Bottom Road. That's not but about a, a mile or so from our house. Linda said, we got to get in our shelter. Now, I want you to picture this. Our shelter in our house is in the dining room under our dining room table because it's seven and a half feet of two-inch thick heart pine timbers that came out of a house in Ashland, Alabama. And I built the table, and it has six-by-six six solid heart pine legs. So we get under that table. Can you picture that? At least it's seven and a half feet. I could stretch out. So we're under this table, and then Linda says, this ain't enough. So we get a six-inch thick baby mattress, and we got it on top of us. We may live through the storm, but I'm going to suffocate. And if the, the table falls, we're gone anyway, because it takes four good men just to tote that thing. But we're in our storm shelter. That's the high point in the house. But it's got walls that go up both sides. And I'm thinking if one of these big pine trees that are in our yard falls, it won't quite make it to the table, maybe. That's our shelter. It's a place where we think it protects us, where it covers us, and it becomes our refuge. We're all thinking about a storm shelter right now. I can see you. I can see you thinking about it. Psalms 27, verse 5. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. He shall hide me in his pavilion. But folks, you've got to get in the pavilion. You've got to go get in that pavilion. And when I think about God's pavilion... If he can build a city four square, 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles high, if he can do all that and have many rooms in it, I can only imagine what his pavilion is like. When we think of a pavilion, we think of our little gazebo out back or something. But he said, to hide yourself in his pavilion. Wow, that's powerful to me. In a time of trouble. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high on 
a rock. You ever been on a golf course when a lightning storm hit? Come on, we got golfers in the house, I know. And when a lightning storm hits on a golf course, there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go. And I remember years ago playing golf at Lake Point in Eufaula, and you've probably played out there before. It's closed now, but, but we were out there playing, and a lightning storm came. And we had about six golf carts under a little old pavilion, not much bigger than this drum thing here. And we're all packed in in these golf carts, sitting under this pavilion, storming rain, lightning's popping around, hitting things. And I'm thinking, this is not much of a covering at all, really. And my middle son, Mark, decides, I don't like this. He runs and gets in a portalette. One of those blue portalettes is sitting out there. And he gets in this portalette. And when the thing was over, I told him, son, do you think that was a better pavilion than where you were at? He said, Dad, at least I could close the door. I said, yeah, and if the wind had hit it and blew it over, you wouldn't have come out smelling like roses. Not much of a safety place. That's where he went. I don't think he learned much that day. When you go to that tabernacle, he becomes your most intimate confidence. Your most intimate confidence. In other words, when you're there, you feel perfectly secure. Perfectly Secure. Can I feel perfectly secure in the midst of everything that's going on around us right now? Yes. If I stay in that pavilion. If I make him my permanent shelter. Then I can have that perfectly secure feeling. Psalms 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge and our strength. A very present help in trouble. A very present help. Folk, He'll help you right now. If you're struggling with errors in your life, He'll help you right now. He's a very present help. And He will show up when you invite Him. Psalms 18 verse 10 says, The name of the Lord is a what? A strong tower. And the righteous do what? They run to Him. And when they run to Him, they're what? Safe. Y'all are quiet in here this morning. <laughs> Maybe it's the mask. It just makes me yell louder. The mask does. Makes me sing louder. Makes me go home and I can't talk anymore because my throat's messed up. <laughs> Folk, I can't predict or say how long this pandemic will last what's going to happen, how it's going to affect it all, us all, and it has affected us all. But I can tell you this one thing, that God is right there. He's right there beside you. He's right there with you. He's sitting in a seat right beside you right now. God wants to be a shelter to you in the midst of it all. Wow. He wants you to draw nearer to Him. Through the summer, our connect group went through the book of Revelation. And it was tough at the beginning. There's some chapters in there that are very tough. And you can see 
revelation unfolding all around us right now. Things are happening and taking place that, that, that John saw and, and John speaks about and he tells us about. But then you get toward the end of Revelation and you realize that those that endure, there's a better day coming. Come on, folk. There's a better day coming. There's a better day coming. There's a blessed time coming, coming soon. It may be in the morning or at noon. The wedding of the bride united with the groom. We shall see the king when he comes. Come on. All the old people are clapping. That was for my connect group. They used to tell me on Zoom all the time, just go ahead and sing. <laughs> so there you go. That was for them. Let me tell you something. God sheltered Noah and his family for one year in the ark until Noah emerged to become the father of all nations of the world. Let me tell you, God sheltered Jacob in the home of his uncle Laban when he needed to escape the wrath of Esau, his brother. Twenty years later, Jacob emerged with a new family, a new wealth, and a new identity. He became Israel, the new name for God's chosen people. God sheltered Joseph from his 17th year to his 30th, but his slavery in prison became the school where God prepared him for greatness. God sheltered Moses in a remote desert for 40 years, but Moses came forth to liberate the Jewish people and lead them out of captivity from Egypt. God sheltered Naomi in a barren land of Moab until she nearly became bitter, but she and her daughter-in-law Ruth traveled to Bethlehem to participate in one of the greatest love stories of history. Sometimes God will just shelter you. We've been sheltered in, hadn't we? We've been sheltered in. But here's the thing. You can shelter in without God, or you can shelter in and let Him be your shelter. And there are a lot of people sheltering in without God. And they might as well be Mark in the toilet over there. Because a portalette won't help you in a tornado. A portlet won't help you in a pandemic. But God can. God can. Here's the thing. We've got to stop using God as a pop-up shelter. Come on, do y'all remember when they came out with those pop tents? Nobody remembers. One person, Jim, remembers. He's old enough. When they first came out with the pop tents and they were advertising them, it was, it was about this big in size, and all you do is just throw it out there. When you throw it out there, it just pops up and makes a little old bitty shelter you can crawl into. Kind of like some of these little dome hunting tents, you know, and I've got one. It'll pop up. You can throw it out there. But then I can't ever figure out how to fold it back up and put it back together to get it back in the case so it's not in the case no more. So I just leave it out there in my shed, and when I get ready to go, it's already popped up. <laughs> But we can't use God for a little pop-up shelter when we want to. Psalms 91, verse 1 and 2. And Pastor took us through Psalms 91 about reading this on a daily basis. And it's been so powerful. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. He is my shelter in a time of storm. 
And it says here, he who dwells in the secret place. You know what dwell means? It means remains there. It means you stay there in that place and you're sheltered. There's a big difference in people that, that are already sheltered in God when this pandemic hit. Because when you're sheltered in Him, you have a peace that passes all understanding. How can you be calm? You know, when they show things on TV, on the news and all of that, when, when somebody asks somebody else in a polite way, Sir, would you please wear a mask? And then he blows up. And y'all probably all saw that. He blows up, loses his temper. That tells me there's something missing. There's no fruit of the Spirit there. There's no self-control in his life because he's not sheltered in God. Dwell means to remain there, stay in that place. To abide means to stay there, to continue. And sometimes we just have to endure. We've got to stay in that shelter and endure. God said, I'll never leave you. And I'll never forsake you. Pastor shared it. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back, folk. He's a soon coming king. And we better be watching. Oh, there's things we need to be doing. We do need to be praying. We do need to be worshiping. We do need to be giving him all of our praise. Because not as there just a pandemic, but there's other things taking place. There's other storms brewing all over this world today. Nations are in an uproar. There's no unity. And when God commands the blessing, there has to be some unity. We've got to get in the shelter. Proverbs 30 verse 5 says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in Him. About a month ago, I was working over at NFC and I was up on a ladder. And my oldest son, Matthew, he goes to the gym every morning. He goes every day, extremely uh, work out all the time, in good shape, those kind of things. But the chiropractor he goes to from time to time to get an adjustment, told him, said, I just want to do an x-ray of your vertebrae back here. And so he did an x-ray. And on that x-ray, he said, there's a spot on your lung. And so he said, I want you to go see a a pulmonary doctor, so he went to him, and, and they did some other tests, and they put a dye and run that in there and all. And sure enough, he had a cancerous tumor in the top of one of his, in the lobe of one of his lungs. And so I'm at NFC that day, and Matthew had just went and had a biopsy done, and he was waiting for the results, and he called me at NFC, and I'm up on a ladder. Folk, it knocked me off my ladder. He got a results from the pathologist and they said it was a carcinoma with a morphology and, and, and several other things. I mean, there were several things they said about it. And, and so, but Matthew was so confident when I was talking to him. I said, are you okay, son? I said, let me get down off this ladder. And I got down off the ladder and we talked for a little while. He said, Dad, I'm fine. He said, I'm fine. I'm trusting God. I'm believing everything's going to be all right. And so I prayed with him on the phone, and then, and then I started crying. And I walked all around NFC. Nobody's there. School hadn't started back, so I was walking under those pavilions over there and just praying and praising God and just thanking God. I said, God, he's my, my firstborn son. He's my oldest son. I, Lord, I can't believe this. And I just began to cry out to him and talk to God. 
And about three hours later, Matthew calls me back again. He said, Dad, God's already working. I said, what do you mean he's already working? He said, well, they called back and said, it was not a carcinoma, not a fast-growing cancer, but it was a carcinoid. And then it had a couple of other things they added to it. He said, it was just a carcinoid, and it's very slow-growing, and the doctor feels like they can go in and just get it out. I said, God's already moving. God, praise God. God's already moving. <clears throat> So they recommend him to go to Birmingham. So he goes to UAB to Birmingham to the doctor there, and, and he looks at his x-rays, didn't take any more tests. He says, yeah, we can do this robotic. He said, I really feel like we can just do it robotic. We can go in. We can take this out, take out this part of your lung, whatever. He said, you might lose about 10 15% of your lung capacity, but you'll probably never know it because, of your, because you're in good health, good shape, and those things. And he was, Matthew was so confident through all of this. And it's tough when Daddy can't be there with you. I started to go to UAB and just sit in the parking lot just so I'd be close to him, but I couldn't have seen him. Amanda couldn't even stay with him, and then, then she was able, once he came out, she was able to stay with him, but if she left, then she'd have had to quarantine for so many hours before she could have went back in. They went in, they did the surgery, he got about six holes. It's amazing how they can do that. Went in, and they took that out, came back, Got the pathology report. There was nothing in his lymph nodes anywhere, no sign of cancer anywhere else. They took out that part right there and then came back and said, it didn't have all these other things we said it was. It was just a typical carcinoid, and it's gone now. So we're praising God. We're praising God. We're praising God in the midst of a storm. We're praising God. I was able to climb back on my ladder. Let me tell you what it does for a dad. It increased my faith, not just because God moved and did incredible things, but because of the faith I saw in my son that for years as a little boy, I prayed over them and believed that God would just use them in an incredible way and bless them and that their faith would be strong and they would be closer to God than I was. And all these things, I'd pray over them when they were little and I could sense that faith in his voice and just believe in and trust in God. I don't know why I was puzzled by that because that's what we instill in them. If you're a dad, that's what you instill in your children. So it shouldn't shock you when they believe and they trust. <laughs> God sheltered David for 15 years after he'd been anointed king of Israel. When David finally assumed the throne, he was a man of God's own heart, after God's own heart. And, and he wrote so many of these psalms that we read to encourage one another about. God sheltered Elijah by the brook Cherith. And after the sheltering, he stood alone against the 450 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Oh, and there was a time when he thought he was all alone. He thought he was all alone in the midst of a storm, in the midst of a pandemic. He thought he was all alone. But God was just preparing him so when he came out. God sheltered Jonah for three days, three nights in the belly of a huge largemouth bass. I don't know if it was or not. Some people say a whale. I don't know if it was a whale. I just know it was a big fish. I guess I'm just dreaming I'm going to catch one of those big fish. When the sheltering was over, Jonah went to Nineveh and preached one of the greatest revivals that's ever been in history. He didn't want to, did he? But God told him to. God sheltered Daniel. Pastor took it through this. Come on, folk. 
pastor took us through this. God sheltered Daniel for 70 years in Babylon where he wrote his Old Testament book outlining the future of God's dealings with his people. Not to mention a sleepover in a lion's den. (laughs) Can you imagine what that would have been like? Here's my third point. I'm getting ready to close. Can you believe that? I don't see the clock back there anymore, so I'm not worried about it. I told Linda I had a whole bunch of pages. She said, don't go two hours. I said, I'm about to text Pastor Brian and tell him I need it by 10 after. (laughs) Josh knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) Make him your permanent shelter. George, we got to make him our permanent shelter. He can't be a pop shelter. He's got to be our permanent shelter. James 4, 8, we know what it says. Draw near to God and He'll do what? He'll draw near to you. Psalm 73, verse 28. But it is good for me to draw near to God. It's good for me to draw near to God. Come on, folks. It doesn't matter what the storm is. It's good for me to draw near to God. To be close to Him. He's my Father. It's like a little kid hanging on to his daddy. I used to take my boys to the nursing home. And we'd go out there and we'd use a little old uh, uh, karaoke machine. And we would sing. But Michael was real little. And so he wouldn't really sing. But he would just stand and hold on to daddy's leg the whole time. Sometimes he'd go to sleep right there. Now that's sheltered safety in the arms of your dad right there. When you can go to sleep standing up. Michael's still that way. He can go to sleep anywhere. It's good for me to draw near to God. I've put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all His works. That I may declare all His works. That's why I shared that testimony about my son. Because God did something. Folk, when's the last time you told somebody about what God's done in your life? Especially during a pandemic, we need to be telling people about what God has done in your life. Man, y'all are too quiet. Tell somebody. We're overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our... Come on, testimony. 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 The other day when we were at your pool, Julio was cutting the grass. He's out there cutting the grass the whole time. He had a hat on. Didn't even look like Julio. I wasn't sure if it was Julio or not. I knew it was somebody that probably worked for Julio or whatever. But then Linda said, no, I think he works by himself. So it's probably Julio. And then he came up around the other side of your your pool there and, and made a turn up by your hedge bushes right there. And he looked right at me and he waved at me. I said, that's Julio. When he got finished, he got the blower out and came up by the pool and began to blow everything off. And Linda, right then, gathered all our children. And she said, come here. I want you all to hear something. That's a miracle man right there. That's a miracle man right there. That's a miracle man right there. She began to tell my, our grandchildren that that's a miracle man and then began to share with them what took place and how we saw him in Jacksonville when he was hooked up to everything and we didn't know if he was going to make it or not. But now he's over there blowing off Pastor Brian's place. Big old smile on his face. A miracle man. Tell somebody what God's done. 
Thank you for telling them. God sheltered Paul in a Roman prison. By the time the apostle was free, he had written the prison epistles, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. In prison! Some of you ought to be writing right now. God sheltered the disciples in the upper room for ten days till the Holy Spirit descended. And my goodness, in a powerful fashion, He formed and fashioned the church. They were sheltered in. God sheltered the Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos, which we've just been reading through in the book of Revelation. The greatest poetic, prophetic document of all time was given to him. He just gives us a glimpse of what he saw, and he tries to describe it in his own words. So can you imagine what it's going to be like? Hold on, my child. Joy comes in the morning. Jesus is coming back. Just so you and I could have a glimpse of that, John wrote it down. And lastly, and most incredible thing of all, God sheltered Jesus in a tomb for three days. But then what happened? Come on, folk, what happened? Come on, folk, what happened? God raised him from the dead. He brought him up out of that grave. And I tell you, he's alive today. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And I think he's just waiting for the Father to say, Go get my children. Linda, I picture him just like Riley the other day. I don't know if you've, you've seen these triplets swimming. But they've taught him. There's a new way to teach babies how to swim. You just throw them in. You just throw me, and I'm thinking, that's my grandchildren. Don't you do that. But Riley will take off like a submarine. Swim, come up. Now she's learning one, two, three. Jump. And she'll jump in that pool. And we were out at their house the other evening, and she's on the couch going, one, two, She's looking like that right there, wasn't she? And then she'd go and bounce on the back of it. And the whole time I'm reaching to grab her. And Bo's laying over there like, it's all right. Ain't gonna he didn't used to be like that. <laughs> it don't take long with them three. I'm telling you, about three weeks ago, we took them all down to Panama City. We were going to spend a few days on the beach. Found a place that wasn't too crowded. We was there on the beach. First day we took umbrellas. We took chairs. We took all this stuff down there, got it all set up on the beach. And let me tell you something. You don't need all that with them triplets because you ain't going to have time to sit in a chair. The umbrella's not going to do you any good. So my grandson, Nate Nate, he's really their cousin, but he's going to make them call him Uncle Nate Nate. And so he's called himself Uncle Nate Nate for the past few weeks. He figured this thing out. He come out there and he dug a hole deep enough in that sand that we could put all three of them in there and they couldn't get out. <laughs> That's creativity. Creativity. Instant playpen on the beach. It's amazing. But it worked, didn't it? For a little while. But then these girls are getting pretty strong. 
Riley figured out how to climb out of there. <laughs> Ellie figured out, I want to visit those people down by the pier, 300 yards, 400 yards up here, you know. And so you got to follow her. Riley, you have to watch her. She'll go straight in the water. Kinsley, she's a little bit reserved. But man, aren't they beautiful gifts from God. Let me tell you something. Jesus wants to be your permanent shelter. Your permanent shelter. Not a pop-up shelter, but a permanent shelter. And that's what people need. People need the Lord. They need Jesus in their life. Because without Jesus, there is no peace. It's already been preached. It's all been preached. We could go through every one of these Psalms. We can go all through this book right here and see where God has sheltered people. But let me tell you something. If we'll draw to Him and endure, Revelation tells us there's a blessed time coming. There's a blessed time coming. We're all going to go, folk. Either I'm going to fold up this tent and go by the grave or the, the sky is going to split. Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? Are you ready? Is he your shelter? Is he your permanent shelter? Let me pray for you. Is our worship team? Where's our worship team? They're coming. I forgot to tell them, Pastor. Jonathan, thank you for this podium. Pastor Brian uses a table. I told Jonathan I, need, I, needed, I needed a music stand. When I go to the table, I'm ready to eat. <laughs> when I go to the music stand, I'm ready to preach. That's all right. You can preach from a table. We serve an awesome God. He's right in the middle of it all. He's got it all in control. See, God had a plan in the beginning. See, we've been fighting something far more worse than a pandemic for thousands of years. And it all started in the garden. <laughs> when Adam and Eve fell in the garden and was cast out of the garden, we began a battle with sin. And sin is far more detrimental than a COVID-19. It's taken more lives than a COVID-19. See, Romans 3.23 says, We've all sinned and fell short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. God knew that without Jesus, without the shed blood of Jesus, we would all be lost for eternity. And eternity is forever forever ever I remember as a kid my dad and I would go back and forth and I'd say I love you to the moon he'd say I love you to Mars 
I'd say, I love you past Mars. He'd say, I love you to infinity, infinity, infinity. And I thought, how long is that? How far is that? Forever. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. But I think he beats on that door sometimes. Beats on the door. He says, if any man hear my voice and open that door, he said, I'm going to come in. I'm going to sit down with you. I'm going to sit down at the table with you. I'm going to sup with you and you with me. Wow. He's got a table spread for us, folks. All we got to do is surrender and come to him. Bow your heads for just a moment. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your word. Your word is a powerful word. I thank you for the Holy Ghost. I thank you for the drawing spirit of the Holy Ghost. And if there was ever a time when people need the Lord, it's now. It's now. Now. People need the Lord now. So God, allow your spirit to move across this planet and draw people from every tribe and every nation to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus shed His blood on Calvary so that our sins can be forgiven. We don't have to walk in sin. He made a way where there was no way. Jesus is the bridge. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. If you're here today and you feel like I'm just not as close as I need to be, maybe He's been my pop-up shelter, but I want to make Him my permanent shelter. And Would you slip your hand up right now if that's you? Yes. Yes. Make Him your permanent shelter. Father, I thank You for those that lifted their hands. And I pray right now, God, as we seek You, as we worship You, as we glorify You, that You'll touch the life of each and every one of them. All you have to do is just say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I want to serve You the rest of my life. I want to make You my permanent shelter be sheltered in the arms of God. I thank you for it. I give you praise for it in the name of the strong, strong Son of God, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.